Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, and welcome to a very, very special <laughs> episode. Kate, you're already laughing. I know! I told you not to laugh. I know! No, I told you All not right. to laugh because I knew it would make you laugh, and it makes a great exactly. opening. All right, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'm back. All right, a very special episode of the Hostile Work Environment <laughs> Podcast. My it's name, not just me. Yeah, well, we, we have a special guest who won't stop laughing either. Uh, my name That's is Mark Alephans. It's It is totally Kate's fault, right? My name, I'm going to get it out, is Mark Alifans. I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous <laughs> co-host, Kate Bischoff. And, Hello. Uh, not to leave you hanging, we are joined by our very, very good friend, uh, fellow employment attorney, John Hyman. John, how are you today? I'm going to skip you, Kate, and say hi to John first. I oh, am fantastic because I get to spend uh, my early afternoon here <laughs> talking about my favorite thing in the world uh, maybe my wife and kids included, uh, which is, which is, and shit, I hope they're not, I hope they don't listen to this when it, I better not let them know this is, they can, anyway, um, which is Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are here today to talk about our, our mutual love affair mm-hmm. with the TV show, Ted Lasso. Kate, before we start getting into that, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Kate and I, I will point out, John, uh, we're very disappointed in, but Kate and I are both wearing our Richmond Till I Die uh, shirts uh, with our greyhounds on them. Uh, John is wearing an orange shirt that looks like he just, uh, he's in prison. Oh, oh an old oh, 97s, okay. old 97s, nice. that's fair. Yeah. That's which fair. is, my, which is my other favorite thing in the world, but here's, but here's the thing, so... Um, didn't know we were doing this. I was in the car with my wife, and then I got the and I saw your tweet, responded to your tweet, then got the text message, and so I literally ran in the house, booted up the computer, didn't have didn't have time to put on my uh, very special um, AFC Richmond kit that Apple TV um, sent me in the mail as a thank you for um, uh, pr- helping promote the show on Twitter. So uh, yes. Well, and, and it's a it's a Roy Kent jersey, right? No, it's actually a Ted Lasso jersey. It has Lasso on the back. Oh, number. yeah, oh nice, yeah. If it was if it was Roy Kent, it would like just melt my heart. But because I love Roy Kent, who doesn't As, love Roy Kent? Right, uh, we all do. We all do. And and I my jealousy knows no bounds uh, around yes. that. So Apple, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> uh, Kate and I are very open to receiving a kit. Uh, and uh, we are shameless in that regard. So no um, uh, let's jump in here, and we're going to start off with a gigantic, and I mean humongous gigantic, spoiler alert. Spoiler. We are going to talk about things that happen in the show. If you haven't seen the show, uh, this may not be the best for you uh, for the moment. I would go and watch, uh, if you haven't, the whole first season, 
And the mm-hmm. first 11 out of 12 episodes of the second season then come back, right? And go do so that like today. Right. So it's only like an 11-hour commitment right. that we're asking you to make. And it will be right. the le- it, it will be the best 11 hours that person yeah. will spend um, <laughs> in their lifetime. So I, I mean, my question is if there's people who have now are turning this off because they haven't, like what's, like what's wrong with them? Like why haven't they yet found the show well, and why aren't they – why haven't they watched it? Kate raised her finger, so she has, she has an answer. They're Android users. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother topic that might be beyond beyond <laughs> the scope of today's, but that's Two a whole... gigantic Apple proselytizers here. Yes. Um, As an original member of the Apple cult, I feel like this is the benefit of being in the cult is that you get access to Ted Lasso. So if you're if you're an Android user, you know, you know, I'm not gonna make you switch. But this Ted Lasso has been that benefit. Of yeah, except the, except the I have a, except we we consume our content via a Roku and just downloaded the Apple TV app onto our Roku. So really, being an Android user mm-hmm. is is it might say other things about your personality, but it isn't an excuse for you <laughs> well, having I, not watched I, Ted Lasso. I, I will say, however, that like my my initial access to Apple came when I got a new phone, and I yeah. got a I got a subscription to Apple Plus for a year for free having gotten the new phone for folks that are Android users, they still have to go and then affirmatively pay for it. Um, I will say there are several shows on Apple plus that we've been watching uh, Ted Lasso being the highlight of them, but there's a couple of others as well. Uh, well worth whatever it is, the five or six bucks a month for Apple TV. Um, especially, you know, you can binge all of this within uh, a month uh, yeah. and, and watch it all. And uh, I, I would, I, I mean, I can't speak for the two of you. I think I've seen the first season three times through. Yeah, we have we have two. Mm-hmm. But I will also say that Bill Lawrence, who's the showrunner and one of the creators of the show, has tweeted to people that they should simply just uh, watch the show on their free trial. You get a month free when you mm-hmm. sign up and then cancel mm-hmm. if you don't want to keep Apple TV. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to make Jeez, Apple Bill. very happy. Right. But they, he just signed like a hundred million dollar production deal with Apple. So what does he care? So he's telling people to, to watch it on their free preview. And then if they don't want to keep the service, just cancel. He, he knows so, that a lot yeah. of people won't do that. And then, right. and also then the, true. Right. And, and, or we'll get, we'll get caught up in other shows that are still being released. Right. So like for all mankind, fabulous, for, fa- fabulous. We just watched the first episode of season two of for all mankind oh, and are continuing so through it a pace. So we don't burn through it all at once, but it's so good. So uh, we have really, I think we've talked about our, our mutual love of this. You know, uh, we are all Ted proselytizers. We all love the show. Uh, some of us may have less nuance in our ability to look for criticism <laughs> in the show than others. Um, uh, but uh, at, on balance, uh, I think we all qualify as major, major supporters of the show and, and love it. Uh, I do also want to call out that we made a nice new friendship yesterday. We were called out on Twitter for a potential uh, crossover podcast with the Richmond Till I Die podcast. Look for that to come uh, in the in the coming month or two. Uh, we're talking about uh, which which is obviously a a, a Ted Lasso centered podcast, uh, and I wanted to call them out uh, and uh, welcome that new friendship. Um, and we're going to talk today. I've identified five different employment, potential employment law issues from the first season and 11 twelfths of the show. Um, (laughs) And I thought we would jump in and I'll frame those uh, issues 
and then leave it to both of you, and I'll jump in as well, uh, to talk about what we see in uh, as employment law and HR issues related to them. What did they do right? What did they do wrong? Um, <laughs> and what did, you know, I, I think comfortable saying, you know, what did the show handle well? And what, what have they maybe missed the mark on a little bit? John won't ever say the show's missed the mark on anything, but Kate and I... <laughs> Uh, and I, <laughs> we'll see how it Kate, goes. You're probably Kate, right. Kate and I can at least talk about that. So uh, <laughs> jumping into our first one, um, we're going to go back to the very first episode of the show. Uh, and you may recall that Keely Jones uh, was in a romantic relationship with Jamie Tart, one of the players on the team at the time. In that first episode, she had no uh, official or direct affiliation with the team. And she just saunters into a men's locker room in the middle of changing time. Um, that struck me as a little odd. Uh, and I'm curious uh, for your comments on HR uh, or legal issues related to that. Go ahead, John. Um, I, I don't necessarily see any huge legal issues relating to it other than the the security of the locker room itself just allowing people to, <laughs> just allowing people to casually saunter in that don't have any affiliation um or right to be there um but not certainly not the best hr practice in the world to have um a player's girlfriend just have access to the locker room and to be able to walk in when when um, teammates are in various states of dress or undress <laughs> Does it change your opinion that there also was at the time a topless photo of her in the locker room? So it felt like she was undressed with the rest of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Is that before or after Ted X'd out the X'd out? Before. This is before. Eventually she gets gets some strategically placed tape by Ted. Yeah. yeah, No, does not, does not change my opinion whatsoever. (laughs) Jeez, that was in Jamie's locker, right? It was. Uh, it, yeah. it, it better have been, yeah. It was. It better yes, have been, absolutely. yeah. Um, so my concern here is, if you remember back when, um, there was another movie, and I can't remember the name of it on the top of my head, but it was an American football movie where Cameron Diaz is the owner of the team, and she walks into the locker room, and all the men are naked. And as the owner of the team, there's the potential that she could have you know, been in a sexual harassing mode because she's the owner of the team because the men are obviously naked in that movie. But then there is the potential that someone, and I'm going to defend, as we all know, I am not someone who likes to be naked in front of other people, usually, to defend the people who don't want to be seen by a player's girlfriend of saying, hey, maybe you don't want to have your girlfriend in here because it makes me feel uncomfortable or that I'm being ogled by someone, even though she's after you, Jamie, with your fancy shaved eyebrow. So now this yeah. does. Uh, no, I was going to say. I mean, yeah, the the, the I mean, the harassment obligations don't stop just because she's not an employee, right? I mean, your obligations right. to correct and remedy harassment would exist whether it's a, an employee, a vendor, a customer, a visitor, whomever. Um, so I guess the question would be. Is this the first time from a legal perspective, is it the first time it happened or or did somebody complain prior to management and they allowed it to continue? Right. That would be mm-hmm. where that would be the, where the legal issue would be, would be if a player went to 
uh, went to Higgins or went to Rebecca and said, Hey, we can't, we can't have Jamie's girlfriend in the locker room. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, they talk to, they talk to Jamie who, and then it continues, right? That that's where the issue would be, but just it happening without anybody complaining about it. I don't see a legal issue, whether it's a good HR, whether it's a good HR practice, that's an entirely separate <laughs> issue and it's clearly right. not. So right. now it does call right. to mind for me. Now this doesn't happen in the show. Uh, we don't see the press trying to come into the locker room to interview players, but it does call to mind issues that were raised uh, some time ago now with access to locker rooms. So male reporters would be allowed into a men's locker room following a sporting event and female reporters were not allowed. Uh, yep. And that also calls to mind how that would go if the situation were reversed with a women's uh, sports team locker room and a female reporter and access for a male reporter. I'm curious for your thoughts about that, especially hashtag never nude Kate, uh, <laughs> what you what you think about that, because it is it is an effect, a discriminatory practice. But is it, it is it, it problematic? It, it, one. One, it absolutely is discriminatory because if women can't get access to the male players, they can't necessarily write the stories and then, you know, snowballs into them not getting be able to promote it. There's the underlying issue that women's sports don't get covered. So the press don't ever go into their locker rooms, period. Yeah. Um, but uh, pun not intended. But the idea that <laughs> there is this men have more access to men thing, I think just stop. Don't have the press in your locker room. Like yeah, just wait until a organized or press conference for those individuals as a, rather than, hey, that towel is a little small there, you know, kind of questioning. Right. Or have a press accessibility point that's not yeah. uh, when the players yeah, are in a state of undress. Naked players. Yeah. yeah. Right. And for the record, I do have two children. So. Fair. Fair. I, I get your <laughs> okay. point on that. Um, <laughs> no further Jeez. comment needed. No further comment needed. And. And while we may have had some disagreements on a prior episode, uh, we are completely aligned in this particular case. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Moving on to scenario two, which also brings us back to the early parts of season one of the show. We see Nate, our favorite towel boy, um, being treated maybe not so nicely by certain players, including Jamie Tart, uh, and Ted tries certain ways to try to handle that. Um, I'm curious how this falls into uh, HR and employment law in terms of potential hazing or harassment or bullying, and where do you think it falls in those lines? And how do you think, from that perspective, putting our HR and legal hats on, how do you think Ted handled that? Well, not well. Let's listen to a clip. The boy Nathan's been harassed every single day by Jamie and his little side pricks. Right. So you know already? Yep. So you'll take care of it? No. What the fuck? Roy, I learned two pretty big lessons on the rough and tumble playgrounds of Brookridge Elementary School. One, if little Ronnie Fouch offers you a candy bar, you immediately say no and you get the hell out of there. Because there's a good chance that little son of a gun has just pooped inside of a Butterfinger wrapper. No one ever saw him do it, but a couple of people ate it. Number two, if a teacher tells a bully not to pick on someone, it's just going to make it worse. So you're not going to do anything? No. (sighs) 
Why are you winding them up? He's the one, coach. We're going to make an impact here. First domino needs to fall right inside that man's heart. So, Kate, what do you think? Did it go well? I'm going to go well because first he asks Roy to handle it. And Roy, in a roundabout way, doesn't do a very good job of handling it, but it gets it done eventually. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, I've only watched it twice, not three times like y'all. Um, but- fail. Total fail. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I think Ted... One, it's not harassment because it's not based on a protected class, even though Nate is in multiple protected classes. Um, it So it's not a protected class harassment issue. It's solidly a bullying issue. And by trying to go get Jamie, who is the leader of the group, letting the stuff happen to Nate, I think that's the right tack. And having someone who, even though Jamie won't admit it, looks up who he looks up to having Roy handle it as the captain of the team, I think is a good first step, but it didn't work as fast as it should have. And, and, and Roy's first attempt should have meant that then Ted stepped in because it didn't get solved. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think the most interesting piece of all of this is, I mean, I agree with you that it's not, not illegal here at all. Mm -hmm. uh, bullying uh, in and of itself outside of protected class is not illegal. I think it's what, what's, most interesting is to watch how that story's now developed um, with mm -hmm. Nate, because what we know from people that are abused the way Nate was abused is the, you know, the bully, the, the bully victim often becomes the bullier when they get a little bit of power. And we're seeing that play out now. And I think the more interesting story to me, as we've watched this develop over now two seasons minus an episode is um, the effectiveness of how, um, Ted handled the issue when Nate was being bullied, but the I think the utter failure of it being handled when then Nate then becomes the bully of um, Will and others, uh, Will being his replacement as the, the, the kit man, the cowboy on the team, um, and then some of the players on the team as well, just an utter just dropping of the ball to handle it in season two when Nate's the one who's abusing other people. Yeah, I would say... We're going to get to that I here. Yeah, um... And I agree with you. I'm sorry. We might be, I might push it to We're that gonna, we are. Yeah, we can, we can right be now. blending into our next um, two to topics. Both relate to Nate and, and Nate's yeah. season two antics. Um, go ahead, Kate. But I, I think, I think Nate's season two antics with Beard trying to step in and fix one of them. I think Beard's methodology, particularly to the bullying of Colin, was 100% true. I don't know that Beard is doing enough to protect Will in this, not, not quote unquote protect, like that's a bad use of the word, but to like to step in to say you can't treat Will that way, even though he probably has seen it. Um, but I don't think Beard has recognized how bad it has gotten and doesn't know about some of the events. There's that no evidence to suggest he does. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And so I want to I want to back us up for a second. We're talking about um, we talked a little bit and, and bringing this back to the legal education part of this podcast. <laughs> uh, the difference, which is between, not legal advice, by which the way. is not legal advice, as you all heard in the disclaimer at the top. Uh, we talked about 
harassment versus bullying. And in effect, in some ways, again, this is an oversimplification, bullying is harassment, but without the protected class uh, associated with mm-hmm. it. Would mm-hmm. your assessment of Ted's uh, handling of this changed if there were some indicia of of a protected class being behind Jamie's otherwise bullying, turning it into harassment? I mean, the issue is whether if there is some protected class that would suggest this was illegal harassment and not just inappropriate bullying, the issue is whether the employer takes appropriate corrective action that would reasonably stop it from happening. And that's what Ted did. I mean, it, he did it did ultimately he did ultimately stop the bullying. And so I think from a legal perspective, I don't think there would be any I wouldn't have a lot of concerns about liability here. Um, based on the way it was handled, because the the Jamie and his minions at the time ultimately did stop bullying Nate. Yeah, I think my only nuance there is I might have pressed a little harder, a little faster. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. There's a legal, there's a legal yeah. risk there. Well, uh, but and, yes, that's, and, that's exactly. I set it up. You knock it down, John, in terms of uh, appropriate <laughs> remedial measures. Uh, if you take right. appropriate steps to stop the harassment, and you should still do this if it's bullying. Don't get us wrong. But at least uh, in terms of mitigating legal risk, if it's harassment based on a protected class, if you take appropriate measures to stop it, that is a defense uh, in litigation. Mm-hmm. Well, and the one thing I would say is that Ted, if it was based on a protected class status, there's plenty of evidence in both season one and season two, my favorite being in season two, of that Ted would take it much more seriously. And the evidence I would point to is when um, Sam is having a rough time, but then something improves. I can't remember what improves. But so Ted wants to give him the G.I. Joe. (laughs) Yes. Right? The little little soldier. One of my favorite scenes. This this is why it's one of my favorite scenes and one scene that if I could figure out how to do a clip, I would totally do a clip and put it in training because this is how we want people to respond when they're pushed to, I, this isn't right, right? So Sam is a Nigerian. He does something well and Ted is going to give him a little toy soldier and the t- little toy soldier to Sam is imperialism, right? Like there's white soldiers coming into my country to take over something, right? And so when Sam says, I appreciate the sentiment, but I'm not taking your soul your soldier, Ted's response is, oh, oh, yes, I get it. I understand. I'm so sorry, you know, and moving on. And understanding that that mistake can happen because we're all going to make these kinds of mistakes. And then, but also having the grace to say, I'm so sorry, I hope you understood what I meant. And the other person going, I did. Thank you. Right. It's that kind of conversation that we want. When you're looking at a culture perspective, those are the conversations we hope that it is okay to have and that we want to encourage rather than saying you can't ever do these. Or if you ever make a mistake, we're going to immediately fire you. It's these kinds of conversations we want to have. And that evidence of that Ted would appreciate knowing that he's made the mistake in addition to one he made with near the the helicopter in this last episode that he would recognize that and immediately want to take those steps so i think he would do a stronger piece if it was nate being harassed because of the color of his skin fair uh totally agree um we talked about this a little bit but i'm going to move on to our third scenario which is uh so nate eventually end of the first season he gets his whistle He's now officially a coach on the team. 
uh, an indoor all, whistle, by the way. Yeah, an indoor whistle. Whistle. I think he has an outdoor <laughs> and an indoor whistle. <laughs> Correct. Uh, not protected, not necessarily well, you know, appropriately used whistle, but uh, he does get his whistle. Uh, this character we've all been rooting for uh, gets his promotion. And then we see there is a new kit man by the name of Will Kitman. <laughs> Uh, and he's the kit man. He does. He's the kind of the towel boy. Uh, he's there to kind of help uh, manage the locker room situation, which had previously been Nate's job. And Nate almost immediately takes an attitude with him. Uh, and at first, I think that comes across as like, I just did this job and you don't know what you're doing. And I'm going to come down on you in a harsh, but maybe not entirely like a hole kind of way. But it's a bordering on that. But then that treatment continues into the second season. And there's a few scenes. And the one that really comes to mind to me is after Nate has his his big uh, uh, event on TV where he's the ma- strategic mastermind between behind winning a game. Uh, and I'm trying to remember, what was the phrase? Sorry, I didn't prep this. Um, <laughs> that, that Nate said on TV. Um, oh, Wonderkind. Wonderkind. And he said Wonderkid instead of Wonderkind with an N. And... Uh, he gets a little bit of flack for that, and Will makes a kit uh, for Nate that says Wonder Kid on the back. And I I think that that was a sweet <laughs> gesture by Will to try to ingratiate himself with Nate, who has been nothing but tough on him. And Nate takes the, the kit and then kind of noodles on it for a minute uh, and then just goes and excoriates him. If you ever do anything to humiliate me again, I'll make your life a fucking misery. Certainly crossed the line, in my opinion. I saw a couple of people. John, I don't remember if it was you, but I saw a couple of people who said, "No, no, no, uh, this was appropriate an appropriate response because Will was trying to make fun of him." And maybe that—that that was certainly not me. Okay, all right. I can't remember who who may have said that. <laughs> it was that. your buddies. Yeah, it was somebody on somebody on Twitter. You know, uh, but um, and somebody who I respect on Twitter. I don't remember. I'm sorry, I don't remember who it is right, right now. But. Um, I'm curious for your take on that. I think there there has been another scene that I'm not recalling off the top of my head. We're very well researched podcast, um, <laughs> uh, where he also again had a negative interaction with Will. And I'm curious for your thoughts on uh, on Nate's treatment of Will. Uh, clearly, I mean, inappropriate. Again, I mean, similar to Jamie's treatment of Nate. I mean, not not illegal, um, but still. I mean, horrendously inappropriate to treat um, uh, to treat an employee that way. It's just not it's not good, you know. HR or management practices, you know, any way you slice at it, to manage by um, insults and intimidation. Mm-hmm. Yep, awful. Right, and, I, and sorry, go ahead. And and I don't think Beard is doing enough about it. I don't think he knows enough about it about really what's happening there. But I think he has suspicions about what is happening, and he's not doing anything to root it out, or you know, like to try to find out or to stop it. And I think Beard has an obligation, as any manager does, when you see bad behavior, to and ideally go to someone in human resources and says, "I have an idea that this is happening," or go out and try to find out themselves. What yeah, I mean, so. we saw when um, in the same the same episode where um, Will gave Nate the uh, the Wonder Kid kit. Um, it's the same episode where 
Nate was abusing Colin during practice and Beard saw yeah. that and then pulled Nate aside and said, just do better. Right. That was his, mm-hmm. that was right. his words right. of, his words of counseling and advice for Nate was do better. Um, and but that, but that worked. It did. I was going to say it that, did. that had an effect. You saw Nate come into the team and he was, he apologized. He was very conciliatory and that absolutely had an impact on Nate that those two short words um, from Beard had a big impact. And you wonder if, Beard was either paying more attention or um, or if he knows what's going on and was doing more about it, you wonder if that we wouldn't be seeing the dark yeah. path that Nate's now clearly headed down. So, yes, right. I, I think 100% this is, agree. Again, similar to the conversation uh, around Jamie's treatment of Nate. Again, you know, just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's not abusive or has characteristics of abuse that you should be looking out for uh, as HR professionals. Um, I'm going to move on to our fourth scenario, uh, which brings us up to real spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen in our time, uh, the most recent episode, episode 11 uh, of uh, season two, which was called Midnight Train to Royston, uh, the end of the episode, uh, uh, Ted is back at his apartment after an interesting uh, excursion and he <laughs> receives some texts from our favorite reporter, Trent Krim, the independent. Independent. And <laughs> he previews for Ted a headline coming out tomorrow speaking about Ted's panic attack uh, several episodes, epi- ah, tongue tied episodes ago where he had to leave the game in the middle. Um, and Asks, it says, I respect you, Ted. That's why I'm telling you about this. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I have an anonymous source, but it's Nate, right? There, there's another podcast, I'm sure, another legal podcast where they can talk about whether Trent had any issues with him revealing an anonymous source <laughs> in that way. Someone but, suggested to me on Twitter that um, journalistic ethics in the UK are different than they are here. And I'm not, yes, I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not right. sure that's 100%. Well, I don't know if that's and, accurate or not, but and, that would at least explain that. And, and that's actually a really good point that I had in last night. I'd had that thought and completely forgot about it. Now, we are in the UK here. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not lawyers in the UK, so we're applying an American standard to all of this. So we should we should note that as well. Uh, but anyway, in the scene, uh, the text then says it's Nate, and Trent says, "Would you care to comment?" And Ted <laughs> responds, he thinks about it, he gets a really scrunched up, appropriately scrunched up face, and says, "No comment." And then we're left hanging with Ted's look on his face. Um, this sets up. A really interesting dynamic that I imagine will lead to a culmination of the Nate turned into asshole plot line. Uh, and Nate had some other kind of questionable acts in this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Hello, Don't Keely Jones. Jones. Hello, yeah. Keely. Keely. Um, <laughs> but I think this will set up an interesting dynamic uh, that will have to be resolved. That's clearly being set up by the show to be resolved in the next episode. But this, this episode right now that we're recording gives us an opportunity to, to talk about what a good response from Ted would be, what an appropriate response from Ted might be. um, And then maybe speculate around what, what you think he's going to do. Well, the appropriate response is you're fired. That to me is the only mm-hmm. the only appropriate response in that situation. We can talk about 
um, you know, breach of confidentiality under the ADA. The ADA has medical confidentiality and whether and requires those who gain medical information in the course of their employment to keep it confidential. And we can talk about whether uh, if we were in the U.S., if Nate's disclosure to Trent Krim breached that obligation under the ADA, which it probably did, although there might be a discussion over whether because it was kind of voluntarily disclosed by Ted and it wasn't necessarily part of a confidential medical record, there might be some wiggle room or gray area there. Probably not, but maybe. But regardless, I think in that case, the only appropriate response by management would be um, you're fired. That That's completely unacceptable. We don't tolerate that and you're no longer employed here. I don't think that's how Ted's going to handle it. Oh, certainly not. Say. No, certainly not. no, no. That's outside, mm-hmm. that's outside his personality for sure. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't – so this is a, a trust issue, and I think Ted is going to handle a trust issue a different way than the the law would suggest it go. I will 100% agree with you. I think the conventional wisdom would be that we let Nate go. Um, I think, though, that there there is a difference between had Nate complained about something like working conditions, he wouldn't have been let go under the NLRB or under LRA, and he wouldn't be let go if he talked about how Ted was engaging in harassment, and that would be retaliation under Title VII. But yes, the medical information would be, and so that's why it's really important for you to have a friendly neighborhood employment attorney to navigate these. But also, I think Ted is going to handle this trust issue in a different way, like having a conversation with Nate, talking about how we're all a team, um, and dealing with Nate in a different way, not only because Nick Mohammed is an awesome actor and should be in season three, but <laughs> yeah, like we know he's going to be in season three. Yeah. I think he has to be in season three, but I'm interested to see just because I'm fascinated with how HR works about how Ted would handle this. Cause I think there's, you know, Nate certainly has a lot to bring to the team. He has some really good ideas. He saved one game already. Um, but I just do, I just don't think he's going to let him go for this. Well, but the other question is whether Nate already has his next gig lined up because... Oh, I don't think I, so. Oh, I do. I do. You do? I do. Oh. I I fully expect that Nate will end up working uh, being the head coach of whatever football team Rupert purchases now that he has given up the rest of his shares at AFC <laughs> Richmond and the the conversation that Rupert quick conversation Rupert had with Nate on his way out of the funeral in episode 10 of season 2 which ended with a very wry smile appearing in the corners yes. of Nate's mouth um I'm not sure if that was their first conversation or the second or third or fourth of many conversations, but I fully expect that Rupert has, if not offered Nate a job, there have at least been discussions about Nate coming to coming to manage whatever football team Rupert is going to be purchasing to compete against AFC Richmond. Well, that does set up a perfect storyline for season three for an, an interleague rivalry there. That does. Um, I don't know. And then for someone, I think, he's, I, I think Nate's character. I, I, I think Nate's character is, is might be the most fascinating one on the show. Um, the few glimpses we've gotten of his home life with his parents and mm, the mm-hmm. the the disrespect he has from his uh, uh, the disrespect he has from his father, and then to go into a situation where 
you know, you look at episode 11 where we asked multiple people, you know, do you ever want to be the boss? Do you ever want to be in charge? And he's thinking mm-hmm. that's like his pot, the, his pot of gold at the end of his rainbow to get that kind of that head coaching job. And then to do that for someone like Rupert, who was going to be probably as abusive, if not more so than Nate's yes. dad is right. It's going to, it's, I, I hope that's the way it plays out because a, that's the way I would write it. But B, I think it's, it's um, <laughs> going to be a completely fascinating story to watch play out. Shit. Nate. Shit. This, this is also, remember this is Ted fucking lasso. This is the show that can never get away from a good redemption arc. Absolutely. And I 100% expect that there's going to be some conflict that may or may not be resolved in the finale that will move into resolution in season three, just like they moved to resolution uh, with with Jamie in, over the first few episodes of season two, because uh, that yeah. was left unresolved and brought uh, brought together. And I have no reason to think it will be any different with Nate. And I think we only get three seasons, right? I think we only get three seasons. I know the show is planned, and this, it's it's interesting. I'm going to give a little bit of my own speculation on this uh, before we move into our last scenario, which was I, I understand the show was only planned for three seasons. And mm-hmm. at the, I don't know if you guys recall, there's a scene, and maybe the very last scene of season one when they lose he and they get relegated, and he relegated, and he says, uh, "Well, we'll we're just going to have to come back, and then we're going to have to win the whole damn thing." Well, I saw that and I'm like, oh, foreshadowing. This is exactly how season two and season three play out. And season two, of course, played out with what was started with eight straight ties. But now, you know, you miss a lot of the season, but it started this last episode with uh, Richmond being on great form. Sam gets a hat trick and they only need one more win to get promoted back (laughs) into the Premier League. Well, I wonder if that's going to happen in the last episode, and then it's going to set them up to try to win the whole Premier League in the third season, just as foreshadowed by Ted in the last scene of season one. Part of me hopes, like, from a, from a you know, just artistic standpoint that it follows that path, but part of me also is like, yes. uh, maybe it's a little too easy, and maybe something <laughs> else will happen. Uh, we'll see what happens. But that's my own, that's my own prognostication here. Uh, let's move into our last scenario. Can I just mark, a, hey Mark, oh, please. Before, yes. before we jump, before we jump off of the Nate story, if people don't yeah. follow the characters, Twitter accounts, um, a lot of oh, the characters you ha- should, yes. have their own, have their own Twitter accounts, including, um, Nathan Shelley, which is at Nate the Kitman. Um, and he tweeted, um, after, uh, episode, uh, 11 dropped his tweet after the episode was just, well, I suck. Yep. Was his well, was his tweet, which I thought was just fabulous. Which is completely mm-hmm. consistent with the scene after he kisses Keely, and then goes back and he's in the changing room and spits at himself. Uh, if I never have to mirror. watch him spit at himself in the mirror again, yeah, uh, that would be well. Fine. But it just it just shows the extent <laughs> of of yes, he's turned into an asshole, but he's a self loathing asshole. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He yeah. hates what he's become, but he can't seem to control becoming it. I think it's it's really. It's really well developed character agreed uh, uh, mm-hmm. arc and agreed and there was so and much there was so much vitriol on Twitter at the beginning of season two thrown at the writers about the Nate character about how he's turned into this kind of loathful um, which a I think if you look back at season one um, particularly the scene where he was asked to give the motivational speech and then like just roasted the players in the locker yes. room. Right. I mean, yeah. I think that, which, which that is funny, was, but has an edge to it. Yeah, a big time. Edge. Mm-hmm. Like, like that edge, yeah. that edge was always in his character. 
Um, but I think it was just, a, 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 I think, an underestimation of the writers and, and a, not a lot of understanding of um, what someone who's been bullied the way Nate's been bullied, what they're, what that can do to someone's personality, particularly when they're given a little mm-hmm. bit of, a little bit of authority. So I think it's, like I said, I think it's a, a fascinating character and a, a, I loved watching this arc develop over the two seasons. 100% agree. Uh, absolutely. So I'm going to move us into our last scenario and with apologies to our friend, Heidi Pancake, who, uh, we had a nice teasing <laughs> Twitter exchange about this. Uh, this is it. This is what really, I think, mm-hmm. in, in some ways prompted us to do this episode. Um, and we are going to talk, and I'm going to frame this a little differently from our other four scenarios that we've talked about so far. And I want to do a compare and contrast. We have in the show two workplace romances going on. The first mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to call out is Keely and Roy. Now, that has been... Uh, a a developing relationship that we all love and root for. I'm a little worried about what may be previewed from our last Mm -hmm. episode here as to the future of that relationship. Um, But since that first episode, when Keely was sauntering around the locker room for no good reason, uh, she has since become employed by the team. And as has Kent, uh, uh, Roy Kent, sorry, uh, who uh, became after being an announcer on TV, Uh, decided to come back and join Ted's coaching staff. So they're both employed by the team. They are in a relationship. And I want to talk about the appropriateness, the work appropriateness of that workplace romance and contrast that, compare and contrast that to the really fascinating uh, romance that developed between Rebecca and Sam uh, this season. Uh, And is that, is one more or less appropriate than the other? And how do we feel that the show, that's a setup. I know, Kate, like we all know there's an answer to that. Um, <laughs> how, how do we feel that the show has handled that? Um, and this may be where I get into a little bit of criticism of the show, but I want to hear, I want to hear your takes. Okay. So I'm going to go first. Sorry. No, Jack. go ahead. It's your show. Yeah. You do what you want. So, uh, I love Roy and Keeley. Like, to the bottom of my soul, I love these two together. I should say, I really, really love Roy. Um, I have lots of, like, if you could see my computer, it's got Roy Kent kits across the top. <laughs> um, but, so, I absolutely adore Roy. If Brent Goldstein can just growl at me once, I'd be very happy. Um, but... They are co-workers. They are in different lines of authority. They may work together, but they don't work together in a way where one has more power over the other. So because one in four of us meet our significant other at work and we spend so much time at work, it's not uncommon to have a relationship at work. And provided that it is a relationship where there is no power dynamic difference, and the relationship itself doesn't get in the way of the work, it's okay. Okay? Not ideal, but it's okay. Um, When we add the Nate kissing Keely thing, then now we've got a potential love triangle at work, and then that becomes a bigger deal. Or or Jamie professing his love to Keely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Complications abound. Yeah. Yes. So there are complications, but they're still treating each other with respect at work, even though she says that he's on his period, which 
100% correct. But it is like they're still treating each other with respect at work. So it's not negatively affecting the workplace so far. Sam and Rebecca is a very different dynamic. Um, and you can see Rebecca struggling with this. I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't do this. I know it's the wrong thing to do. But my heart is telling me he's awesome because um, as a person who took the BuzzFeed quiz as to which Ted Lasso character are you and I am Sam and a hopeless romantic, (laughs) like they are great together. I want them to be together because they are so great together. I understand her conundrum that she's having, but the show is setting up where there's the potential that he's going to be traded where they've she's put that decision in his hands. She's not saying no. She's leaving it to him, which mitigates some of the risk because of their relationship. I don't think this is going to get to the point where, and one, as a Sam, I don't believe Sam would actually sue over this. But there is the dynamic that if she said no to him going to Casablanca, that it could be a problem. If she said, yes, you can go to Casablanca, that also could be a problem. But leaving the decision solely in his hands, I think, helps mitigate some of that. You'd have to document that so much. But I think that's how it's resolving, hopefully. I know, Mark, you've suggested I wouldn't be one to lob any criticism at the show. <laughs> um, but um, I like big butts and I cannot lie. But... <laughs> It really was. It really was. Um, but um, I think that I think the show has not done a great job exploring the power dynamic between uh, between Rebecca and Sam. I think it's it's there as subtext, and 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 maybe the three of us and the listeners are more attuned to it because we live in this employment law HR world. Maybe or maybe it's just we understand that when the boss dates a subordinate, mm-hmm. that power dynamic is just there, and so it's there in the subtext. But it has not been – the writers have not done a great job exploring what that actually means for Sam and Rebecca in their relationship and for Sam and Rebecca as – or Sam as an, one of Rebecca's employees. I just I just don't think there's been enough to explore what that means to the, to the, to the workplace. And it would be very different if Sam was a – or if um, Rebecca was a man and Sam was a woman. We, that – would have flushed out naturally and much easier had that the sexes, the genders been different here. Interesting. Yeah. Which doesn't take away the power dynamic. Uh, I think that would have been a more traditional potentially way of looking at it. And this is a less traditional way of presenting the same kind of issue. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about uh, an opinion in the Washington post by Alyssa Rosenberg from a few days ago. Uh, But, but John, you essentially just made the point. Uh, that she awesome. makes. Um, she also gets into questions around the show's uh, treatment of racism against black players in Europe and mm-hmm. how the show has had an opportunity to address that and maybe has touched on it a little bit, but not in the way perhaps it could have to have a larger impact. Mm. Um, but the real focus here is on uh, this this relationship between Rebecca and Sam and how it had the power dynamic itself has not been explored 
appropriately. And there was, I believe, when they met at the bar and discovered that they were each each other's secret. Um, mm-hmm. uh, forget, I'm, of course, I'm forgetting. Banter. Banter, banter. banter. Thank you. Uh, banter uh, texter. Um, I believe she does say, I'm your boss, if I recall correctly. But then Mm -hmm. in her subsequent worries over this, you never hear her really articulate that again. Her concerns seem to be more around age. The age issue, that she's like 20, Mm -hmm. 25 years older than he is. Right. And uh, while that's an appropriate thing for her to sit and and worry about – it's also not the thing from the employment standpoint that, that the three of us are looking at that is the, the key issue here. Um, and by just by even stepping into an, an active sexual relationship with him, she's already gone way beyond uh, what's appropriate in the circumstances uh, and would, could, could really be treating herself to some legal issues. I think, Kate, you're absolutely right that the fact that Sam now has uh, some free will um, helps to mitigate that, at least as it relates to this situation. If he decides to stay, I'm guessing he will because we need Sam in season three also. Uh, <laughs> but if he decides to stay, uh, that doesn't mean that this issue goes away or that it's been resolved in any way. Uh, and Well, but, but there's not really any, there's, Let's be clear. There's mitigation to damages. There's not mitigation to liability because she's an owner of the team. There's vicarious liability for the harassment. The mitigation that letting him make the decision to choose really just mitigates the damages and maybe the emotional distress damages the best. That's a good good be very clear. Yeah. So sometimes I know my stuff. Oh, you absolutely (laughs) come on. Uh, Just sometimes. Yeah. So I think we're all in agreement. The show, I'd love to see more on that. I think, though, it's probably not likely to happen because I think the key part of that has come and gone. Um, But maybe they'll come back and address it in other ways. Uh, If they don't, I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, It doesn't mean that I would have written it differently in terms of what they decide to do. I think I would have simply presented some of the issues around it a little differently. And, and in the show's defense, there's no possible way for any show to deal with all of the issues that are confronting the industry that's about the show. Um, and while, yes, I would love to see, particularly in season three, when now that we've got this massive wage of race, wave of racism occurring, particularly in Europe, about players, I think season three absolutely should deal with that. But I don't think you have to deal with every particular issue in every show because uh, the idea of the show is that kindness matters and that it is important to have a group of people that you can have their backs. They can have yours. I think that's all really important. I just don't think we should be, as the Washington Post columnist suggests, lobbying a whole bunch of issues on top of that. So in their Agreed. defense. Agreed. And, and I'm this- an extra large apple. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, uh, trust me, we are not here to shit on the show in any way. Um, uh, having, having proclaimed our love for all things Ted Lasso um, uh, does not mean we aren't uh, open to being able to lob a little bit of criticism. But in the end, I don't think that this changes anything around the show. Uh, and John got a uh, dog in his room. I have two dogs outside my room that are about to start going at each other. Ah. 
my two dogs are right outside my study and they, and the Dante, who's the two year old is about to, um, is about to uh, uh, attack the nine-year-old, and my wife just did the boy. Is, is, is either of them a greyhound? No, no, they're both no. useless. Oh, no. Ah, no, not, not <laughs> greyhounds. Uh-huh, I get it took it you now. a second on that one. Yeah, you know, it's the weekend. What are you going to do? Uh, fair, fair. <laughs> so I will say I started dating a guy with a greyhound, and I asked him about Ted last time. He's like, no. <laughs> so, oh, like, that's it. I mean... Are, are you still are you still I dating? I don't mean to pry, but I don't, know about, a, I don't know about a second date on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with Mark on that. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I promised I'd make him watch it. So, good. There you good, go. Good. Good. Uh, remedy the situation. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so that's all I've got. Uh, we. This has been like the most fun I've had working. You know, recording this podcast in a while. Uh, I'm. Through- hey. Well, no. I mean, like because. Because yes. I mean, we find our stories. I love doing the podcast. We it's not like we yeah. we, we like make any money from it, so we do it because we love it. Uh, so, uh, but talking about our favorite TV show and being able to apply that to what we do on on the podcast is is a little bit special. Uh, doing it with the two of you, who we share this deep love of this show, uh, is fantastic. And uh, I want to thank you both and uh, appreciate. Uh, express my appreciation for you and, and John in particular for joining us mm-hmm. on practically no notice today and just kind of ad living through this with us uh, with really no prep in advance. And uh, I'd like to theoretically propose a revisit and follow up episode after the season finale airs, uh, maybe next week sometime to Count get me together uh, and yeah. discuss any new issues or the resolution of issues that we talked about today. Uh, and uh, you all can look for that. Um, I'm going to end like we normally do uh, with how uh, how we can be contacted. John, uh, how can you be found uh, online other than what I assume is an upcoming uh, creation of the Ted Lasso Employment Law Blog? Um, <laughs> as soon, yeah, as soon as I can retire the coronavirus law blog. Right. Jesus. Um, uh, I'm I'm not hard to find. Um, you can find me uh, at my law firm, uh, uh, which is Wickens Herzer Panza uh, in Northeast Ohio at wickenslaw.com. Uh, you can find me at the, the Ohio Employer Law Blog, Ohio Ohio Employer Law Blog.com. Um, on Twitter at John Hyman. That's J O N H Y M A N. Um, on LinkedIn um, as well. Uh, you can just Google John Hyman Employment Lawyer, and you'll find me. I don't. I don't hide, and I will happily talk about all things <laughs> employment law, Ted Lasso, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Kate? Uh, you can find me now at k8bisch.com. That's my new website domain name. And same for Twitter and LinkedIn. How about you, Mark? You can find salad me pants. on Twitter at Salad Pants. Uh, that's a good way to get me. Uh, you can also find me on my law firm website, BullardLaw.com. Uh, and in all the other regular ways that we've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, And before we uh, wrap up, finally, I want to put a request out to our listeners, uh, many of whom we know are as devoted to the show as we are, uh, having now previewed that we are going to be coming back with a second uh, version of this special episode uh, around the finale, I want to invite all of you to tweet at us or email us at hwepodcast at gmail.com 
any comments or questions you have that you want us to talk about on the next episode, whether that's about other issues from these first two seasons that we didn't cover. And there are some out there that we probably could mm -hmm. have focused on, but didn't. Uh, and any other questions or thoughts about what happens in the finale, uh, we'd love to be able to read some of your comments and answer some of your questions. So uh, reach out to us uh, on Twitter at HWE Podcast or by email, hwepodcast at gmail.com with your questions. And we will uh, try to incorporate as many of those as we can on the next episode, assuming we get any. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we'll get we'll, some. We'll do our best. I'm confident. We'll do our best. Um, all right, guys, uh, that wraps it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We will be back next week, I think, with another another Ted Lasso episode. Bye, everyone. Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas used to belittle me not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Ted, enjoy your evening. Mate, as always. Yeah, that felt good. It was fun, yeah. <laughs> Only one thing left to do now. What's that? <laughs>